We quit our jobs, left our home, and walked 933 kilometers across Spain. Join me, Francesca. And me, Gavin. In this escapist travel diary as we hike the famous Camino de Santiago, or The Way, and learn more about what it's like to undertake this epic journey. It's a story of highs, lows, blisters, and gaining new perspectives on life. And more blisters. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to Is This The Way, a podcast where we walk the Camino de Santiago, which is a very epic 800 plus kilometre hike across Spain. In this inaugural episode, we will cover what the Camino is, why we're doing it, what we hope or hoped to learn, and then take you through our journey from packing to arriving at the start of the walk. There's a lot going on, so let's get started. Great. Okay, so I guess in essence, this podcast is a travel diary. Great for voyeurs, people who love travel, maybe don't have all the time to travel, anyone who's interested in what the Camino might be, anyone who's interested in hiking and exploring things. So when we embarked upon this, we packed our lives up, we quit our jobs, we left our homes, and we took off to Europe to walk across Spain. One of the things we wanted to achieve was a little bit of detachment from technology, because our lives are so riddled with like phones and emails and notifications and laptops and computers and everything all the Hunched time. Hunched over desks, yeah. Yeah, particularly for myself, because I work in tech as well. I'm in front of a screen all the time. And I work in government, and somehow I'm also in front of a screen all the time. Uh, so one of our big goals was to get away from all of that and not yeah. have a dependence on technology and not be checking the news or looking at social media or any of these kind of things. So what would be the perfect way to do that? Just make a podcast as you go, because that won't be intrusive at all. Yeah, but you know, I think it was a great way to track how our progress went, how we felt, and the sort of things that we learned over the course of the journey. Because we walked, you know, it was a six week trip, all in all, with all of the walking and the rest days. And I think it was quite transformational. The way that it worked out is that we recorded a little section in the morning before we went. So just a minute or two setting up the day. And then when we arrived, we would sit down and have a drink and unwind. And then we would talk about what we just experienced. Yeah. And then us sitting down here, you know, many months later, we can sort of look back wistfully through, you know, rose tinted glasses, maybe rose tinted, maybe not and reflect on and kind of elaborate, I guess, on some of the things that we did during that time. So you'll be literally walking the Camino with us. Yeah, you get all the vibes of the Camino without the many, many blisters. So many blisters. And oh you can God. listen to our morning expectations about what we're going to do and then laugh at us when you hear our evening reflections about what we just did. Exactly. They're often quite different. <laughs> so hopefully that kind of sets the scene for the podcast and what to expect. Mm. And I guess to properly introduce the Camino, should we talk about what the Camino actually is? The Camino de Santiago is, as we've said, this really long walk. It's 500 miles or 790 kilometers. Something like that, yeah. Across Spain. To put that in perspective, if you look at a map, it's literally... The width of Spain. The width of Spain. Well, no, no, it's, it's almost the width of Spain. Um, and then there's an extra kind of bit that you can do at the end, which is a separate Camino, the Camino Finisterra, which takes you all the way to the coast. Yeah. So we walked coast to coast across Spain. The Camino de Santiago, the translation into English is Camino is this quite magical word that means journey or way, the way. I think you just say it's like was originally a religious pilgrimage. It's been popular for a little while. About a thousand years or so, people have been hiking the way of St. James. 
Yeah, and the reason was he was a disciple of Jesus, the patron saint of Spain, and he was martyred. And supposedly, according to biblical law, uh, he was carried along this route and then buried in Santiago de Compostela. And I think you could think they have like the 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 coffin with the bones in the cathedral in Santiago, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So we should say that neither of us are particularly religious. So. Uh, we did this as uh, a nice change of pace, uh, a way to reset our lives a little bit, to be outdoors, to have a simpler life for a little while and think about what's important as we're making some really big changes. We didn't walk it for religious reasons, but a lot of people do. But that wasn't our motivation. So we certainly don't ever attend to offend anyone. And if we do, we apologize for that. <laughs> Everything's meant in the best possible way. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people walk for religious reasons, as you say, and one of the people that we saw almost every day was a monk. Um, uh, literally every day, actually. Yeah. So he started on the same day as us and finished on the same day in Santiago. Yeah. So, you know, religion is fundamentally and a very, very important part of the Camino, but lots of people like us walk for other reasons, for cultural or spiritual or health. And a lot of people do it, yeah, either to reflect on some kind of change or, you know, there's usually some kind of transformation or the defining theme is everyone is either searching for something or has found something or, you know, sort of seeking this change of pace and change of life. Yeah, a lot of people I think are trying to deal with something traumatic or, you know, work out what they're doing in their life or recover from something or contemplating big changes. I mean, for us, we made a big change. We lived in Singapore for quite a long time. It was our home, which we've now left. Yep. So we're all in a little bit of uh, disarray at the point we're going on the Camino. We both have had, and now have again, but had very good jobs in Singapore that for a lot of people might seem quite crazy to quit. But it was the right decision, and now we... Yeah, and if you're not happy, then you should do something that makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we made the collective decision to pack up and and this was the best way to a real reset to our day-to-day lives so kind of a clean break leaving everything behind clear our heads think about what we wanted to do where we wanted to go i think it was a time when we knew where we were going we we're going to land in australia in six or seven months and yeah think some time to think about what you want to get out of that and how you're going to approach it and you don't want to just like have a break and then go straight back into the same routine you had before Yeah, so we, I don't even know how we stumbled across it, but a few years ago we walked the last hundred or so kilometers, yeah, yeah, 130 kilometers of the Portuguese Camino. Basically no one that we knew had walked the Camino. It wasn't something that we talked about with anyone before. So we sort of just stumbled into this thing and we walked the last 130 kilometers and we started on the Portuguese border and then we walked up to to, um, Santiago to Compostela. Yep. And we just had this really nice time. And I think once we got there, we realized that we didn't really want to finish yet. And we sort of made a marker in our calendar that at some point in the future, we would love to take the time and walk the full Camino de Santiago, the Camino Frances. The challenge is like, when do you ever find the time to do these sorts of things? Like, How do you ever actually take in reality, that Six length of weeks time off work, yeah. off work and not being kind of worried or stressed about it. If you can find any way to do it, go and do it. Maybe you can't find the whole six weeks. A lot of people walk like a week a year or two weeks a year. And you can do that in segments. You just keep your passport and you keep getting stamps along the way from when you start until the end. 
And the only hard requirement is that those two stamps a day for the last 100 kilometers so that you can get your, your Compostela in the end. Alternatively, you can just go and walk the last 100 or so kilometers. Uh, if you do, I'd very strongly recommend that you do the last 100 or so kilometers of the Portuguese Camino. Because it's a lot less uh, heavily trafficked than the French one, which is more well known. That's the traditional route. And that last 100 kilometers has a lot of people. Yeah, it's very uh, busy. It gets very busy, very yeah. crowded. And you don't really get the proper feeling. Yeah. So I'm really glad that we did the, the end of the Portuguese Camino first because it was beautiful and it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. Whereas if we'd just done the end of the French Camino, we probably wouldn't have wanted to come yeah. back and do the whole enticing. thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a different sure. experience just at that end. Yeah. Um, whereas the rest of that walk was much like the end of the Portuguese one was. So yeah, even with like a week, four days or something, I think we did you could walk the end of Portuguese Camino and get a taste for it. No, definitely. However, I mean, I would just say, if you can, taking that full time to do the full thing... Oh, is, yeah, is of all, is, If is, you can. <laughs> ...is wonderful. But it's just one of those things where quite a lot of people wait until they're retired to do it so that you have more time. But it is quite a physical walk, and you'll find out, you know, even from our first day, I think we sound out of breath like by the time we finish. Because it's quite physically taxing, so... If you can do it sooner when, you know, when you're a bit younger or, you know, you've got your health and all that kind of thing. It's basically, I would just advise that if you can, go as soon as you, as soon as you can. Yeah, <laughs> I think you had, get a lot more value out of it. We've had multiple friends, parents who have become very well, very ill or passed away. And they're people who have been waiting their entire lives to retire and go and do these things. And then you don't get to do these things. It really makes you think about how long do you want to wait and what guarantee do you have that you'll actually be able to do them? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously everyone has their own, their own story, their own journey, but hopefully, you know, through us and, and this podcast, we can give you some, you know, a bit of guidance or maybe a bit of a nudge to, to undertake that journey that you've been maybe considering in the back of your mind as well. So I think we're going to talk about some of the really cool things, why we like the Camino and some of the sort of facts and stats behind it. I mean, there are lots of different Caminos that you can walk. So as you say, the Camino Frances is the one that we're focusing on. It's the longest and this, the original route based on the way and St. James and everything. Um, but there are lots of other different ones as well that you can do. The Portuguese way, the English way. What else? The Camino de Finisterra, which is the, the last little bit from Santiago onwards to the coast. Yep. There was the Camino Primitivo, which walks on less sealed roads, more natural paths. Yeah, if you look at the map they, that's available, you can show, it shows that there's routes coming from all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and even like the Portuguese way, there's different routes you can take and there's different branches along the French one as well that we did. Sometimes you take some detours and, and then rejoin later on. So there's a lot of different options to do there. Yeah. This Camino has literally been walked since medieval times and that's reflected across the whole Camino. You see these amazing churches, these sort of bits of history. Lovely villages and towns. Yeah, all this sort of wonderful history. And you can kind of soak it in. For people walking the Camino, you know, all those years ago, you'd walk in big groups, you would... For safety yeah, against for bandits safety. who would rob you. Totally. And it previously took about six months to a year. So it'd be this really epic pilgrimage. And we did it a lot faster than that. It took us 35 walking days yep. to get from one end to the other. And about five rest days. And five rest days. I think it was five rest days, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So two kind of during and then 
three once we reached Santiago before doing the, the Finisterra at the end. Yeah. So technically, we only did we did the Camino with only two, with two rest, rest days. days. Yeah, to get to the end. That's yeah. actually that's really mad. When you yeah. think about it. Whew, I feel tired just saying that. Probably don't know, but the Camino de Santiago was the source of the world's first travel guide, the Codex Calixtinus, created in the 12th century. Uh, obviously, like pilgrims in the 12th century, didn't have the luxury of being able to read and write most of the time. True. <laughs> uh, but even if they could, you couldn't really carry around a massive book with you. Also, probably couldn't afford one. No. <laughs> but it was written, and it was written by someone who walked the Camino at that point in time. And it was a guide on routes to take, places to avoid, things to be careful of, where to find water, where to find lodgings, times of year to go. So all the things you'd find in a modern travel guide. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know that until we did it. No, and I think the, the original Codex Calixtinus is in Santiago de Compostela, uh, in one of the sort of, maybe in the cathedral. I'd love uh, to go may, find it. We didn't remember. find it, yeah, but I'd love I, I to see remember. it. So if anyone has found it, let us know, because we'd love to, to see it. One of the things that I really, really like about the Camino is that you is that it is a pilgrimage, and therefore you are a pilgrim walking this journey. Yeah. So everyone starts, and everyone who's undertaking it is either a pilgrim or a pellegrino, which is the Spanish yeah, you term use for pilgrim. Interchangeably, is it? Uh, yeah. Presume so, yeah. And the way that you can recognize that is that everyone has a scallop shell, which is essentially the icon of the Camino. It relates in some way to St. James and everyone wears one on their backpack. So yep. the first thing you do when you get to the pilgrim's office, you're ready to go, is you tie your scallop shell to your backpack. It hangs on the back. And it's a really visual symbol of the fact that you're, work you're undertaking this journey. Yeah, it's almost like a sense of community that you get because everyone has this. Everyone knows that you're also walking the Camino. You're there for the same to do the same thing, if not for the same reasons, but you feel like a community with the people you're walking with. Yeah, exactly. It's a really uniting factor. And even after that, because we traveled elsewhere, but we still had our scallop shell on the back, people would say like, oh, you've been walking the Camino or, oh, nice. Mm. Like, like, have you been, you know, been on the Camino recently? Yeah, I think it was in Madrid that that happened a couple of times, which is just afterwards. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of this quite iconic thing um, that I didn't really appreciate at the time, but I, you know, I'd love to keep mine on my backpack and continue to wear it as a, a marker of the fact that we've walked this crazy journey. So the other, I guess, thing that's a bit different... Yeah, something that's a bit unique to the Camino. ...is that you have a, essentially a pilgrim's passport, which is known as a credential in Spanish. And this is your passport for your journey. You get it stamped along the way at different hostels, different restaurants, different, you know, unique, a bunch of unique churches and things. Yeah. And, and it kind of documents your past. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's actually really fun because you can get wacky stamps in different places. And the aim of this passport is that when you get to Santiago de Compostela, you get your Compostela and Compostela means Certificate of completion. Yeah, exactly. Or slash participation, depending yeah. on how far you walked. As long as you walk the last 100 kilometers yeah. and you get two stamps a day in your passport, then you go to the pilgrim's office yep. in Santiago yep. and you present your passport and they'll look at it and they'll give you a certificate saying that you've walked the Camino. Yep. However, if you're starting from the beginning in St. John Peter Port and you go into the pilgrim's office, 
you get a stamp from the pilgrim's office there because that's the official start point. Uh, so some, it's pretty important to do that. Don't forget to get a stamp from the pilgrim's office mm -hmm. uh, right at the start. Yeah. Because then when you get right to the end and they ask you, where did you start from? You say St. John Peter Port and they will check your passport. You don't have to have stamps every day or anything. It's only the last hundred kilometers where you have to have two a day. But if you can show the sequence of stamps from the start to the end, you'll get uh, a different certificate, which records when you started, when you finished and the distance that you walked, which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, remember to get your credential or your pilgrim's passport. We ordered ours in, in advance and we'll put the link online because it's, yeah. really, it's like really cheap, a couple of euros. I yeah, they're not very expensive at all. And you can normally buy them at the pilgrim's office at the start, but occasionally they will be out of stock. Or the other thing is if, you, if you're getting there like in the evening and you want to start walking first thing the next morning, you probably want to have it with you already. Uh, you probably don't want to waste too much time. So for us, we got in the day before we started walking and we already had our passports. So we got to stroll over to the pilgrim office in the afternoon when it was quieter because everyone else has set off in the morning, get our passport stamped, get some information, and then go and have some dinner. And that meant the next morning we could set off nice and early yeah. uh, rather than having to wait for the pilgrim's office to open at like eight or nine when it, when it opens up. And in the morning there's a queue of people because everyone wants to get their starting stamp as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good tip to try and arrive the night before. Yeah, plus you want to see the town as well. It's the start point of the Camino. It's a lovely little town. So other fun facts? One of the things that's nice about the Camino is it's a village to village walk. So at the end of each day, you have somewhere to stay. You can camp if you want to. There are campgrounds and there's guides on where to stay and where to camp. Neither of us are campers. Uh, we like being outdoors, but we both like having a shower and a little bit of space at the end of the day as well. Yeah. So that was one of the things that we really liked is because you are walking from village to village, as long as you get to the next village, that's all you have to think about during the day. And then you have somewhere to stay and you have a bed and you can have a shower and you can go out and have something to eat and have a drink and relax a little bit. Even the smallest towns will have like basic amenities. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what's very, very unique is that there's a whole infrastructure to support pilgrims on their journey. So yeah. there are pilgrims meals, which is sort of a fixed price, fixed course dinner every night. Very, very affordable. There is the albergues, which are essentially hostel accommodation. Again, really affordable and very I mean they're just dotted all along the way so really you'll never you know if you just decide to walk it you can always find somewhere to stay so I just love the fact that the whole thing is built and developed and designed to make it as convenient as possible for well, people to walk this journey yeah it's um that is quite different to like any other kind of like hike that yeah, you would do it's the only one I can think of there is infrastructure there to yeah. support the people who are walking but without being horrible because you think about that and we're saying like, oh, it's all built up for this. You think it's some kind of like horrible Disneyland trail, oh, yeah. but it's no, not like no. that at all. Yeah. Like, it's uh, very authentic. Yeah. An albergue might be built in an old church yeah. or be a small community building or something like that. It's literally just some cheap accommodation that volunteers operate or the government subsidizes yeah. to make affordable accommodation for people who are walking the Camino. Yeah. Um, and yeah. same with like the pilgrim's meals, right? You can get a good meal, which is nourishing, which gives you plenty of energy. It's usually pretty tasty, comes with some wine and you pay like 12, 15 euros kind of thing for like three courses and wine, which is pretty hard to beat really. Yeah. I just haven't been able to find anything like it. If you are like us and 
would ideally like to stop somewhere at the end of the day. There's just nothing that is designed in that same way so that you really just feel like you can go from place to place. You walk through all this beautiful scenery, but you can stop in some lovely town at the end of the day. Yeah. Small village or town or large town, whatever it may be. Yeah, so if anyone knows of any other walks that are similar to this, that are kind of like a village-to-village -village walk or something somewhere else in the world, let us know because we'd love to go and do them. Exactly. So another area that we really liked, as we said before, we were really trying to decouple from tech and try and be as far away from screens and everything that comes with that, with the kind of connectivity. And luckily, the way that the Camino is designed, it's perfect. You don't actually need your phones at all. Yeah, everything's signposted along the way. There's yellow and blue markers with the clamshell design. Uh, and there's yellow arrows, either marked or painted on things along the way, which show you which way to walk at every turning, at every junction. So you never need maps or GPSs or phones or anything else. You can just leave that away uh, and not have to think about it. You just follow the arrows or you just ask somebody else. There's a couple of times at junctions where we're like, we're not really sure. And we got the guidebook out and had a look. And then some other people came out and you know, maybe one of them knew or maybe they also weren't sure and it's like which way should we go here yeah and but sometimes you almost feel like you could get lost but then and you're like oh are we going the right way but then you'll see another you know another, another arrow that's been just painted on by someone or drawn on the floor or you know yeah. carved into sunflowers there's so many different very creative ways of marking the journey yeah you know something that's like quite unique to the Camino is the the trail markers and the kind of like directions with the with the yellow arrows that you see all, yeah. all the way along. It just means you flow through it. You'll mm. never, you know, as someone who... Worries? No, no, <laughs> as someone who basically failed at orienteering in my Duke of Edinburgh bronze, I went totally the wrong way. I definitely needed the constant directions, but without having to use technology, which is really refreshing. Yeah, it just means you don't think about it so much. I mean, I, I would probably worry about... Uh, whether we're going the right way or not. But again, like there's so many other, there's other people walking and you can see the clamshells and you know that they're also walking the way. So even if you haven't seen anything for a little while, if you're seeing you know, one or two other people, then you know you're probably on the right path. And if not, you're all getting lost together. Yeah. One of the other things that, you know, is lovely about the Camino is that, you know, you are walking in Spain, one of the most beautiful countries in the world and we went in, you know, the height of summer, but the weather was just beautiful, sunny, clear skies, fresh pine smells. So, you know, if you're remotely interested in Spain and the culture and tapas and wine and sangria and all these sorts of things, you'll feel very at home because that's all you'll have for, you know, almost a couple of months. Yep. <laughs> tapas all day, every day. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was great. It was like generally like pretty tasty food everywhere, decent wine, nice drinks. I would yeah. just say it's probably difficult if you're gluten-free, dairy-free, because there's a lot of carby stuff. And, uh, you know, we had like lots of coffees and Yeah, or less meat. extreme than that, like probably quite difficult for vegans, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, because a lot of things are eggs, yeah. cheese, meats yeah. along the way. So that's probably the only thing. But anyone vegetarian, else? Vegetarian might be a bit more okay. Yeah. Vegan, I think, would be a little bit difficult for the options. So you'd probably have to do a little bit more uh, research about the best places to eat or maybe carry a bit more for yourself. Yeah. My favorite thing about the Camino was the thing that I least expected, which was how important the community aspects of it were. So I just... 
never really realized but the fact that you're all pilgrims on this pilgrimage walking in the same the same route we saw the same people you know all day every day we'd pass people you'd say hi and we actually ended up making lots of friends it really helped helps you get through difficult days when you would see someone that you knew and you could say hi you'd get a coffee together and catch up and even there's a there's a phrase that you use when you're walking the camino which is buen camino which you'll hear us say quite a bit which means have a good camino so even if it's people that you don't know if you're ever walking past someone or you see someone if you lock eyes you always say buen camino to them and i just loved it i really really loved this community and at a certain point we were taking a slightly different route and i thought that we would fall out of sync with everyone and it really i was getting quite worried about it because i was so used to seeing the same people yeah but actually luckily you know we were able to sort that out so it was fine but yeah it just it was funny how how important it became i loved it yeah i mean i think we we thought we'd be fine walking by ourselves yeah. and just being together and doing this which we were for most of it yeah but then i think about the fourth day or something i was sitting in the garden outside the alberga and heard some people with australian accents talking about somewhere in brisbane that i knew so i just said hello and joined them for a drink and we ended up um seeing them most of the way along the camino actually and stopping for drinks and walking together at different points uh, it was really nice yeah but again it wasn't something i was ever looking for i was looking for a bit more solitude, of solitude. <laughs> yeah but the nice thing is even walking with the same people and and getting to know those people a little bit you can just go and walk by yourself as well and no one's going to be offended or upset about anything and then you can still sit down and have a drink at the end of the day and talk about what you all saw and what you did during the day and how many blisters you have and where they are completely so yeah i'd actually just say community the camino is community and it's amazing so how do you get to the start of this thing how did we get to the start of this thing yeah so essentially your end point is saint jean pierre de port which is on the french spanish border we went there from london so we took the eurostar to paris you arrive at Gare du Nord in the north, and then we walk to Montparnasse, which is in the south of Paris. Do have your champagne stop on the way. <laughs> and then it was a high-speed train and took about four hours, I think. Yeah, something like that to get to Bayonne. Yeah, and then you end up in Bayonne, which is this beautiful French riverside town. And we spent a night there and had some delicious food and nice wine and enjoyed sort of strolling by the river. And then the next day we took a local train. Yeah. Yeah. So the, from, from Paris down to Bayonne, you can book online because it's a high speed, longer train. Uh, but when we were looking, we couldn't find anything that went for online that went from Bayonne to St. Jean Peter Port. So we thought, well, we'll just take a taxi or there'll be a bus or whatever. It's not very far. But then when we arrived there, we just looked at the board in the train station. And the next day, there's a train going from that same station directly to St. John Peter Port. So we just showed up the next day, bought our tickets and got on that, along with a whole bunch of other people who were going to start the Camino. Yeah, exactly. There are a couple of trains a day and basically follow the pilgrims and you'll find where you need to go. Yeah, I definitely recommend trying to get there uh, a day before you plan to start walking. So you can actually explore the city a little bit. It is the starting point of the Camino. There's a lot of, I guess, Camino heritage and things in St. John Peter Port. No, exactly. So I think on the back of that, that kind of sets out hopefully for you who we are, what the Camino is, you know, why you might want to start thinking about doing it. And then I think we go into our daily diaries, basically, where we'll have a little bit of reflection 
and you get to hear what we thought we were going to experience in the morning and how it actually was in the evening. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see you next week. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. <laughs>